0: High atop the Colorado building in downtown Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. You're listening to 14th and G, the podcast at the intersection of business and politics. And now, your host, Dean Hingsley.
1: Really glad to be joined on 14th and G today by Executive Director of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Affectionately known
0: as the NRSC, Mr. Kevin
1: McLaughlin. So happy to be here. What an honor and
0: privilege. This might be my first podcast as a guest. And Well, that's not true. I did the Georgetown University. Are you actually going to plug your podcast? I'm going to. I mean, listen, you can also, of course, catch me every week on 20 for 20, uh, the NRSC podcast with Matt Whitlock, ricochet.com, Apple, you know, iTunes. uh, google play or something like that i don't know thanks buddy i'll stop talking
1: <laughs> you keep you keep a much more regular uh podcast production schedule than i do i've got a team
0: um takes a village
1: yeah but uh you've got a more challenging day job well i
0: think than i do well i don't know we um we have a lot of fun with it i'm not gonna lie to you but uh there are some uh things out there that are uh sometimes keep me up at night i was up at four forty five this morning Thinking about Super Tuesday.
1: Were you picking through the results? uh, I was. What conclusions? What stood out to you?
0: Well, what stood out to me, my favorite thing actually is in Alabama, there were more votes uh, cast in the Republican primary than there were in the Democrat primary. And um, I've been saying all along about Alabama, we are going to win Alabama regardless of who uh, comes through that. We are always ABRM, anyone but Roy Moore. Roy Moore is officially dead. This is the first time I've said it out loud and in public. So I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. Uh, I can Roy, tell. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it was bit a long year. I'm not going to lie to you uh, thinking about that guy. But, um, you know, I've always said the math doesn't work for Doug Jones there. And I just don't think the math works for him. You know, regardless of whether it's Coach Tuberville or Senator Sessions, uh, I, we're going to pick up Alabama. So I feel good about it.
1: And the NRC remains agnostic in that race. Uh, President Trump did, uh, uh, did tweet
0: out. He on- weighed in.
1: He weighed in. He weighed in. <laughs> this is what happens,
0: yes. he said. Yes. I think, listen, we do, We stay. We, we are neutral. It is a five-week runoff, I believe. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I literally don't think it, I, either one of them would be great. Um, either one of them is going to jo- be Doug Jones. And so um, I'm looking forward to having 54, and, and uh, we'll work from there. Any other states
1: uh, that that's where where you saw that sort of turnout? I mean, obviously there's no real contest uh, on the Republican presidential side, um, but uh, but and
0: obviously there was a contest there in Alabama. Other states where, yeah. where it the- was close in North Carolina, a lot close. Like the the turnout was a lot closer. I mean, I think there was more there were more Democrats, but only a hundred thousand or, or or so, you know, and so. You know, North Carolina to me is one of those states where I feel really, really good about where we're at today versus where we were a year ago. And right. um, and I think that the president is really all in there. And North Carolina is one of these places where in presidential years, all the time, but specifically in presidential years, it is a much more uh, – it is a purple state, but it has a red hue to it. And it leans red. It leans Republican. So our our fu- our fundamentals there are a lot stronger than they are in some other places.
1: What, how do you uh, obviously that uh, was Senator Tillis's reelect, uh, my home state, uh, near and dear to my mm-hmm. heart. Uh, the conventions in Charlotte, yep, uh, for twenty twenty.
0: Uh, what what impact does that have on the? race? I don't know if it has a huge impact. I mean, the the, the nice thing about it is is just like the attention it brings to like the race. Um, but the other thing is is quite candidly, it's all about the president, of course. And and I don't say that with any you know. Malice or anything, the, the convention and the reelect is about the president, and right. so, you know, I don't know if it has a huge impact per se, but I do think it's helpful to us uh, on a larger level of just, you know, we own the news cycle there for a few days.
1: I will say I've had more than one Charlotte friend reach out to see if I was interested in renting their house uh, for the third <laughs> week in August. You <laughs> might have a taker. Where is
0: it? <laughs> uh, it's uh, there. There's some beautiful houses. Yes, I uh, can imagine. Yeah. Uh, we're excited about it. So it was good. And the other thing is, I mean, I do, um, you know, kudos to the Democrats for, you know, we've said the whole time that they're going to rig this for uh, against Bernie Sanders. And they did it. I mean, effectively, it was like they moved uh, hard and they moved swift and they uh, are doing what they can. But Bernie's not going anywhere. I mean, the 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 delegate count is close. And. Looking at what they need, what Joe Biden needs, or any of them need, really, they need 1,990 delegates to, to like be the nominee. This is going to go until the beginning of May, at the very least. If right. one of these guys catches fire, they can shut it down by the beginning of May. But I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be tough. So I, I think we're going to see a pro- protracted, kind of drawn-out uh, primary still.
1: Uh, you have, obviously, one focus, one job as head mm-hmm. of the committee, and that is to retain uh, if possible, expand the Senate yes, sir. Uh, majority. Uh, and so are you—obviously, uh, we're, we're both followers and practitioners in the political field. You yep. follow the race. Are you f- fairly agnostic, though, in terms of its effect on the Senate majority races uh, in terms of whether it's Bernie or, or Biden?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that like uh, people would uh, disregard everything I said if I didn't say Bernie was better for us than Biden. Uh, that is true. But I will say, if you look at what all of the Democrats' presidentials as well as Senate candidates have endorsed and run on in the last year, Bernie is the uh, flag bearer or his ideas and his policies for the Democrat Party now. It's where just the is, energy is. It's where the energy is. And so everyone is going to that. In 2016, he was a crazy you know, left-wing nut job, according to Democrats. And now it is where their party is. And so- To us, it doesn't really matter. You know, they all are the same. Bernie's policies, and Bernie will be on the ballot in November, regardless of whether his name is or not. It doesn't matter. And, you know, listen, I I also think that, you know, Joe Biden is a fine man. And he, um, I think everyone who's ever worked in the Senate loves Joe Biden. How can you not love Joe Biden? But this is the 2020 version of Joe Biden is not the. W- insert your <laughs> version of Joe Biden it just isn't and the second thing is is that Joe Biden's never been through a tough race where he's the he's the guy right. he might have been back in you know the 1970s or whatever it was but it's been a very long time. Even in those presidential campaigns in 8 and 12, he was the vice president. And so he doesn't get he doesn't get the full Monty treatment. He will get the full Monty treatment and then some from President Trump. And we saw what President Trump can do to very talented, seasoned candidates on the, in the Republican primary. I think it was your friend and mine, uh, your predecessor at the committee,
1: Chris Hansen. Yes, wonderful man. Wonderful man. Has a great Twitter account mm-hmm. uh, who made the observation that uh, this guy— three presidential campaigns spread over 34 years <laughs> he won his first primary last week <laughs> and the democratic establishment <laughs> response is everybody else needs to get out <laughs> it's amazing isn't it it's yeah. just remarkable but it you know the it's it, right now he excites a great deal of energy because he is he is holding off this what they perceive i think rightly as an existential threat uh, to the Democratic ballot, and so he's generating a lot of excitement. But as soon as that's over, he's he's, he's just that old
0: guy from Delaware uh, yeah. liberal senator. It's all fun and games until it's mano y mano. You know, we can sit here and we can have all these polls, we can look at all these national polls and this, that, and this piece of data and that piece of data, until it's two people with their names on a ballot standing on a stage and talking to each other. It is just, it is literally means nothing. And so you know i literally think that like what what really was the shocking thing for me coming out of super tuesday was the fact that the brilliant businessman michael bloomberg spent 700 million dollars for 44 delegates
1: <laughs> the only state he actually had, the only the only place he actually run out right yeah. was american samoa yes
0: yes and it's a real thing you know so Kudos to him. You have seven staffers in American Samoa, and you can pull it out. You what know? a country. It is amazing. What a country. It is amazing. <laughs> and, um, you know, he dropped out this morning, uh, and um, there's all kinds of rumors about what he's going to do, so we're keeping an eye on him. He's got a lot of staff. I think he's got staff in 31 states right now. Um, he's spent, like I said, $700 million, So so... Uh, He's got sixty billion.
1: Yeah, so, so that that by my, that leaves him fifty nine point three billion dollars <laughs> to okay. spend. And Kevin, that's a good uh, a, a good segue into uh, the the committee has had uh, a tremendous fundraising. Year, we have uh, under Chairman, uh, Senator Todd Young, mm-hmm. uh, and yourself, and, and congratulations Thank on you. that. But uh, our candidates up and down the ballot, I think, even from Leader McConnell on down, mm-hmm. are getting outspent. Right. Yeah. Uh, w- w- I, Obviously, uh, the the money is not everything. But what's 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 happening there, and and how do we counter that?
0: Yeah. So you know, it's not it's 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 something we kind of take into calculus, and we do this because we we know we will be out outspent. We got to be more efficient with our dollars. Um, they're are mega donors on like, the super PAC level, are just more engaged. I mean, they just they just are. Um, and then they're small dollar. I mean, they've just done a better job. You know, Act Blue has been around since two thousand five. And so they've cultivated that small dollar donation that's fueling Bernie's campaign right now, you know. And one of the things that's like like a little alarming to all of us who do this was we look at Heidi Heitkamp in 2016. Heidi Heitkamp, but everyone knew she was going to lose. Heidi Heitkamp knew she was going to lose. Every Democrat knew she was going to lose, and you know every poll had her down double digits. You know, 10, 11, 12, 13. and when she voted against Kavanaugh. She raised $11 million online in four days. They just throw money at these guys. It just doesn't matter. And so, you know, we knew um, the the NRSC specifically has been investing in small dollars since 2013. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like for the position that we are in, there's a lot of credit to go around. Senator Moran, uh, Senator um, Wicker, Senator uh, Gardner, you know, all these people, Ward Baker, Rob Collins. Rob Collins is one, the one who, by the way, we were, couldn't raise any money in 2013 because everyone hated Republicans after the 2012 election, especially our donors. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, you know, he was funneling money into this program and building this program at a time when making those financial decisions in a business sense were really, really hard to make. And so a lot of, a lot of credit goes to he and Senator Moran. And so it's put us in a position where we are – we're cooking now. Um, and right. our our small dollar donations, and and now we just threw gasoline on it. with WinRed, which is a platform. It's the exact same platform as ActBlue. It's just a place where a rising tide lifts all boats, and so all of our campaigns, all of our candidates from all over the country can help each other out with small dollar donations. And it's like you watch it happen, and it's just it's not rocket science. You know, it is literally a numbers right. game, and and so but we know we've got to do it because you know Mark Kelly in Arizona. Raised $3 million online in January alone. I mean, $3 million in a quarter used to be like the wow, that's an incredible quarter. We still think it's an incredible quarter, by the way. I mean, like, if our candidates raised $3 million a quarter, kudos to them, you know? So, as it turns out, McConnell, um, you know, he likes to say he's the second most hated Republican in the country and he wears it as a badge of honor. I mean, Amy McGrath, I think she raised. $10 $10 million in 24 hours or something? I mean, it's right. just it's crazy, it's crazy money. And at some point, there has to be the law of diminishing returns on this. Like, there's only so much TV you can buy. There's only so much, you know, uh, digital you can buy. And I really do, I firmly believe at the end of the day and, you know, call me a knuckle dragger, call me whatever you will, that candidates and campaigns matter. And we've seen this throughout the times. You know, it's like Cory Gardner in 2014 was getting pummeled by outside money. $6 million to nothing, something like that. And he was just a better candidate who ran a better campaign against Mark Udall. And he won. Joni Ernst was the same way. And so we focus on the fundamentals and uh, really making sure that we are doing the blocking and tackling uh, on campaigns that'll allow us and put us in a position that when we start to like turn on the, the, uh, the gas, that we can catch fire. And so uh, we feel good about it.
1: Senator Gardner, just... Probably the most optimistic and uh, a great campaigner yep. um, in Colorado. Uh, that is one of those states, though, uh, you know, that is concerning. He's done things. He's brought the BLM mm-hmm. uh, out to Colorado. Yep. He's 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 done some very good state-specific things, but you just have to wonder. How far, in a state like Colorado, how far ahead of the president does he have to run?
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't know if the answer. I mean, we, we always have kind of said our, our number we use back of envelope, and there's really not a lot of science to this is five. You know, if the president keeps it five or lower, which is what he won by, or lost by, excuse me, in 2016. But here's the other thing. This is this is a great example, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up, where candidates and campaigns matter again. John Hickenlooper is a terrible candidate. And I know that everyone around town likes to sit here and say, like, whoa, what a great recruit. I mean, he is a bad candidate. I'm putting my stake in the ground on this, that when you watch him talk and when you watch him get challenged, he doesn't know what to do. Uh, he, it's had, like, he blew a fuse not not yeah, long ago. Yeah, it's like the Russian hockey team in 1980 when they were down. They didn't know what to do. They don't know how to play from behind because they've never been there before. Hickenlooper is the Russians in 1980. I'm kidding, everyone. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but he, uh, you know, he's got a lot of ethics problems. Um, it's never been litigated before. His campaigns that he's run, he has not won impressively. And he has not necessarily run against A-list uh, competition like he will be against Cory Gardner. And I'm telling you, right now, we're going to win Colorado. I'm telling you, we're going to win. And it's just like we know the playbook. You can ask Evan Bay, you can ask Phil Bredesen, you can ask Ted Strickland, you can ask Russ, uh, whatever his name was, Russ Feingold. All these people, Chuck Schumer has one kind of recruit. Old, white, former electeds. That's all he cares about. And he goes and gets them, and we beat the hell out of them every single time, and we're going to do it again in Colorado. And it's because Corey's a better candidate, and he's going to run a better campaign. And uh, turning over to uh, Arizona, Martha mm-hmm. McSally, she is, uh,
1: she's serving out uh, an appointment Uh, and but but is the incumbent there Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, some of the dynamics at play there but Mark Kelly former astronaut Mm -hmm. American hero just a really nice guy yeah
0: well I mean I don't know if i can go that far (laughs) I guess you know (laughs) agree to disagree Um, you know Mark Kelly's their best recruit Uh, I'm not afraid to say that Uh, I'm not saying he's the greatest recruit he's everyone everyone has their baggage celebrity candidates are always interesting because there's a diff, the difference between being a celebrity and being a political candidate is this when you're a celebrity 100% of the world likes you when you're a political candidate 50% of the world hates you and how do you respond to that and you know there's been you know the press in arizona in 2018, I think if they were having a moment of truth, which I've had conversations with local reporters there, who have said they they might have been a little slow on the uptake on Kirsten Cinema, who ran a great campaign in 2018. I'm not going to take anything away from her, but in the in the vetting of her, they 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 I think I think local reporters would admit, and national reporters for that matter, but locally especially, who knew Cinema for a long time, abdicated their responsibility as the press to educate you know the electorate on who the, who she was. They just kind of like took everything she was saying. Hook, line, and sinker. And we find ourselves in a similar situation here with Mark Kelly. They're a little bit, like, they're a little starstruck. You know, they love these celebrity candidates and they just want them to like them. And and so, you know, um, there are some things that he has done since he got out, uh, since he he retired from, from NASA that I think will be interesting to Arizona voters. And I think that his business record is not exemplary. Uh, the way he's carried himself has not always been exemplary. And, you know, if if the local press in Arizona is not going to vet these candidates, then we're going to have to find a different way. And so that's what we're doing. You know, I also would be remiss if I didn't say Martha McSally is running the best campaign in the country right now. She is. And we got a lot of really good campaigns. That's not to take away from a lot of other campaigns. She's humming. She's consistently like our number one or number two fundraiser every single quarter. She was just named like the most effective member uh, of the Senate. She passed the most bills last year, as in freshman appointed senator. I mean, it's really, really impressive. She's yeah. tenacious. She's got incredible work ethic. And, you know, I think that we uh, in 2018. We lost control of the narrative there. We didn't, people, she, you know, she's from Tucson, people in Phoenix didn't get to know the real Martha in, in a deep level and we can fix that. And so uh, I feel Arizona, by the way, Republican state always has been and it might not always be, but it is currently. And so we structurally are in a very, very good spot there as well.
1: One of the more fascinating races, uh, if you like to nerd out on the on the I politics do. and process of things, <laughs> I think we both do, <laughs> is Georgia, mm-hmm. um, where uh, not one but two statewide nice, uh, Senate elections, uh, Senator Purdue up for reelection, and now Senator Leffler appointed to fill the remainder of uh, Senator Isaacson's term. That's a funny state. Mm-hmm. It's got a uh, it's got a threshold uh, for runoff, and uh, you've got uh, you've got two. Two incumbent Republican senators running on the yep. ballot together. Any special dynamics there?
0: Oh man, there's a lot. How much time? How much time do we have? Uh, so Arizona, excuse me, Georgia is. Um, th- th- it's really, really frustrating to me. What I loathe the most in my job is self-inflicted wounds. Currently, the greatest threat to our majority, the greatest threat to President Trump's reelect. The greatest threat to David Perdue's reelect, the greatest threat to a couple House seats in those suburbs of of, uh, of Georgia right now, is our second Senate race there, Kelly Leffler's seat, because we have Doug Collins who's jumped in. And Doug Collins, I know, I don't know him. Uh, a lot of people, everyone who knows him, says he's a great guy and a wonderful guy. I just think he's getting really bad advice here. Uh, and you know, he jumped in. He was, uh, he's got a, a campaign that's fueled by spite. Uh, because he wasn't appointed and I understand that uh, he didn't love the process but it's not a reason to burn everything down. So the, the reason I bring this up too and the reason I say it is kind of what you talked about there's just a lot of stuff brewing in the pot right now and you know voter registration in Georgia there are currently 1.4 million more registered voters today as I sit here and talk to you Dean than there were in 2016. Wow. 1.4 million more voters. A function of people moving into the state, a function of Stacey just more Abrams drive. spending tens of millions of dollars out right. of out of a uh, super PAC to register voters. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a perfect storm of everything. And so, looking at this, the, the other the other factor that comes into this is is you know Senator Purdue's race is a regular old race. It's you got a primary in May. You got if you don't get to fifty plus one like you said, you got a runoff. But then you have a Democrat versus a Republican on the November ballot. Senator Leffler's is not that way. It is a jungle uh, general, and so everyone is on the ballot on election day, which means when you have two Republicans who are splitting the Republican vote and beating each other up instead of focusing on the Democrat, it creates a massive opening for a Democrat. So,
1: Kevin, I'm sorry, I don't I don't know if I realize this. Mm-hmm. Leffler and Collins will not face off in the primary. There in will be no May. primary in that race. They go straight Just, to the general. This is the problem. Both on the jungle ballot. Yep. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. The other issue with this is, is Senator Leffler was uh, appointed presumably because uh, we have. If you, I know, I don't know if you have read about this. We've got a suburb problem. Uh, we've got a woman problem in the Republican I've, I've Party. Heard of, I've heard a little bit about it. <laughs> so some ink has been spilled. She is a suburban woman who um, had an ability to attract those people. If we have her and uh, Doug Collins or any Republican, it doesn't. It's not even about Doug. To be honest with you, just take him out of it. If you have two Republicans beating on each other, it's going to turn off those people in the suburbs, and that's where it hurts that sixth and seventh congressional district, and that's where you know the the president you know won he had just over fifty percent in in uh, in two thousand sixteen. You know if he if he if it starts to hurt him, like he can win with just a plurality, but like it starts to get a little dicey there. And so the bottom line is is we should be spending all of our time on defeating Democrats, and instead we have a situation here where we've got a a. a People running a campaign, like his staff has all left him, and the folks that are in there just don't care about him. And they're just going to say, you know, keep on going, man. We're grizzled freedom fighters. That's their words, not mine. Like, let's go out and be grizzled freedom fighters. And like, who has got his best interests in mind? Who is saying, this is not going to end well for you, regardless of whether you win or not? Like, it is going to take a pound of flesh out of everyone. And so, it's really, to me, it's we're in that place as a Republican Party. Like, are we that party of uh, 2010 or so where we lose multiple Senate seats because we do dumb things to ourselves? Or are we the party of 2014 and 2016 that took care of our own business and didn't, didn't let that happen? Georgia is our biggest problem right now. Uh, and it causes the most heartache uh, or, or heartburn, I would say, for everyone, because we're going we're gonna to win. Uh, but it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna cost a lot of everything. Everything, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Last specific race I'll ask you yes, about uh, is is Maine, uh, mm-hmm. the great Susan Collins, yep. a bit of a legend there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, Maine. I, I just Maine's one of those states I just don't have a great feel for yeah. their internal politics. It's kind of a little weird. Their other senator
0: is an independent, yep. Senator King. Yep. Uh, how do we feel about that? So let me tell you a couple things about Maine, and I'm glad you brought it up. Do you know? What President Trump lost Maine by in 2016? Did he split the congressional districts? He, uh, I think he did, but I but don't. I don't know. He lost by three, three points, three points statewide. Statewide, President Obama won by 17 in 2008. The reason I bring up 2008 as opposed to 2012 is there was a senator on the ballot in 2008 as well named Susan Collins. Obama won by 17. Susan Collins in 2008 won by. 22. Now, the May, the Maine, Maine has tightened. I mean, it's like Maine is not – Maine is a blue state. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, like, it's not a blue state. They win statewide, the Democrats do. But it's, it's a li- – there's a lot more going on there than people know and people either realize or, you know, pay attention to. I don't think that Susan Collins is going to win by 22, but Susan Collins is going to win because Maine is a small state with a lot of personal relationships. People know her. And the other thing I'll say is, is that Democrat super PACs have been hitting her for the entire year now. They they've spent $10 million against her or something like that. And everything was fueled by the Kavanaugh vote early on. They were saying this is the most important thing ever. Maine voters, Maine voters, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. And like three months ago or so, there was a press release from a, um, from a super PAC. They had a new ad out, and it was on the tax cuts. And it said, "This is polling shows this is the number one issue with Mainers. And it was kind of like, but I thought it was Kavanaugh. For the last eight months, it's been Kavanaugh. Which tells me when I switch traffic, mean, it's either it's either done, like it's been tapped out, or it's not working. Either one's not good in, you know, December right. of the off year. I think that Democrats, I've said this all along about Susan Collins. You worked in the Senate, you know her. Democrats are gonna come after her with everything they have. They better pack a lunch. She is the toughest person. Not you're, woman.
1: You're not gonna outwork her.
0: Not gonna outwork her. She's the toughest person I know. Uh, and she is uh, invigorated by this. And Sarah Gideon, I'd be remiss if I didn't say who she's running against, is um, who's got a primary, but she's the Speaker of the State House. And she, on paper, is a pretty good candidate, but she has ethics problems too. You know, I mean, I know that like a lot of your listeners, this is a little bit, but like the, they, they will be dialed in. There's a little in the weeds, but they'll love this. You know, Sarah Gideon, just an example of her, is she and her husband were giving donations to federal candidates, right? It's America. You can do whatever you want. Here's where it went a little awry. She was taking it, and she was going to her state leadership pack and submitting them for reimbursement. So she was getting reimbursed for federal campaign donations from a state leadership pack, which, by the way, was taking corporate money. Is, is that frowned upon? <laughs> it's, as it turns out, should I not the law, have done the that? The law does not does not smile upon that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because had I known that is that yes. was frowned upon, yes. I, I yeah, might well, not you have might done want it. to do
0: some bookkeeping. <laughs> Um, but the way we found that out, I'd love to tell you, uh, we are dumpster diving and we we're doing something uh, cool like that. She actually wrote on the memo of the reimbursement, reimbursement for federal campaign. <laughs> <money."> <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah. So you know, no. you know at least she's honest. She honest gets points about for honesty, <laughs> I guess. But so uh, I feel you know, listen, I know that I'm like, I don't want to sound Pollyannish, but like I just, you know, I love our our crew, I love our candidates. Uh, I think that like I will go to uh, battle with them anytime, and so and Susan Collins is that captain of that team who like you better you better you better bring your A game.
1: Senate has taken I think in in, in the in the Trump presidency has taken two defining votes. Uh, one was Kavanaugh. Uh, mm-hmm. The other was impeachment. Either both of those, uh, are, are they a wash, or um, how, do, do, they, do they play in the, in the 2020 election?
0: You know, I, what, what it remains to be seen on some level, to be quite honest with you. I mean, like, as we've learned over the last three years, even more so than before that, you know, things move so quickly. And, like, the environment, the things that we think are important today, in all my years of doing this, on Election Day, it's kind of like, that wasn't important, right? You know, I laugh about, we talked about this in 2014. I remember in the beginning of twenty four twenty thirteen. 2013, I should say, like one of our major concerns was Lindsey Graham having a primary and like, can Lindsey survive a primary? And, in and, and this is, you know, January, February, 2013, not only to survive the primary, I mean, he won the primary by 40 points. And so, you know, We get, you know, we deal with things as they come along. But on the issue stuff, I mean, listen, I I think in the polling, and like what you look at, focus groups, polling, people thought the impeachment in particular was a total waste of time. Not a partisan way. And I'm not not really even saying that it's a good thing for Republicans. I just think they looked at it and were like, this is stupid. It's not going anywhere. So just we focus on something that matters to me everywhere, Maine. Uh, Colorado I mean that was like a 60% issue in those states even better with independents and women slightly so like those key demos were looking at in, in impeachment and saying you know what this is just a waste of time i've and, heard from many
1: members who were home both before and and after and it just it never came up yeah they were it, kind of yeah. they were kind of amazed yeah
0: it is pretty amazing and i think that you know people are concerned about their jobs they're concerned about healthcare costs like healthcare costs have been an issue that has been on the forefront of people's minds since I'm not going to put a date on it. I mean, right. it's it's always a concern for people. And so, the people who look serious, the people who are actually taking steps and addressing these things, are the people that like voters are going to give them. They're going to give them a look, and they're going to say, "Like, I like that." You know, we uh, we have we have workers in this crew. I can tell you that much. This 2014 class is uh, they are not uh, they're not shrinking violets i got to ask you for a prediction. Oh, dear. Uh,
1: Hold even? Plus one? Minus one? Well,
0: listen, the only number that matters, as Leader McConnell reminds me on a daily basis, in the United States Senate is 51. So I I am not in the prediction business, uh, as we all say when we get asked things like this on these uh, types of programs. But I will say we're going to hold the majority, come hell or high water. We have better candidates. We have better campaigns. We will be very well funded, thanks to a lot of people probably listening to this. We appreciate it. We will hold the majority we have to hold the majority. There's way too much at stake. You know, I tell the staff a lot at the NRSC that you thought you were going to come here and start working on political campaigns and, like, every day we're reminded the fate of the free world basically rests on our shoulders. And I, I say that kind of sort of tongue-in-cheek, but not really at all, actually. Uh, we get it every day. And we know we know how important our jobs are. We know how much is at stake. We're going to give them hell. The sentence, the bulwark. Kevin McLaughlin, executive director of the NRSC. Thank you, sir. for joining me on Appreciate you having PG. me.